The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello and welcome to a very tired episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. I'm James Kired. This is Tired Rossi. Hello. I don't know oh, either Sarah. of your names. Well, You're not my real dad. Um, yes. Well, James, <clears throat> it's, it is a tired episode, but we don't really need to explain why. Everyone knows that you took your 112th flight. Um <laughs> Oh, was that what it was? Everyone knows that we went to Vegas. Everyone knows what our opinions were going into it. Everyone knows that Tim um, is definitely started drinking again because he is now in Indiana. So let's just get right into it and talk about Las Vegas. And let's talk about this race because let's be honest, there's a lot to say. 112 you're right um so yeah, well, yeah you bring it up every time we speak so it's no i've, I've stopped not- <laughs> doing it because you, you made such a big deal about yeah. it but now mm-hmm. i'm gonna do it because i'm not done yet on the year and so i'm gonna keep bringing it up mm-hmm. um where do you want to start man like how do we well let's start at the beginning let's let's start at okay. the beginning so why don't you go because you got there first right okay so i got there on tuesday night yes didn't go to the track till Wednesday. I went to the track on Wednesday and I was pleasantly surprised, right? Cause we'd heard all the horror stories coming out of it, that things were behind and we weren't sure what was, if things weren't going to be finished and we all this. We had stuff. our right. own prejudice opinions based on that going into it. Exactly. Yeah. And so feet on the ground, got there and everything was pretty put together, Right. Everything that we had to do that day, we were able to do. I, I spoke to someone that works for race operations at the at the event who used to work in IndyCar and was kind of, he was like, yeah, it's been literally constant five alarm fire after five alarm fire, but we're here. And so the pit building was done. The racetrack surface was done. You know, the, the walls were all up. Everything that needed, the paddock looked awesome. The team hospitalities were sick for a flyaway race. Um Everything on the surface seemed like, hey, this doesn't feel like a first-year event. It feels like everything's buttoned up, has been done, has been thought of. Tons of staff. Like, so many people, if you had any questions about where anything was, like, from this, from the racetrack, not from the series or anything, everything was there. So, like, day one, we're like, okay, 
pretty good. Other than the insane schedule and the ridiculous times of day that you had to be there, day one, everything good. So, and then Alex showed up and it all went to <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, sure, but okay, so I arrived. Um, I arrived on midday Thursday, so I was going into it with the expectations of this is gonna be hell on earth, Firefest 2.0, Firefest 2.0, and at the airport, that felt true. Um, why? I, by no means were, and, and I'm not, this has nothing to do with Formula One, but the city was not prepared. There was, there was people everywhere. No one could get a taxi. No one could get a car. No one could get a, really? it was a disaster. Okay. Oh, wow. People like that looked like they had been waiting for an Uber for an hour and 15 minutes, like spread oh. out on the cement in the parking garage. And it was like, okay, this is, yep, that adds up. So finally, fortunately, had arrangements from the team to have transportation and all that. So get to the hotel, um, check in. The, the activation and the branding in the hotel. So we were staying at the hotel, which I think was ultimately ended up being the closest like luxury hotel to the track. Um, so it was the Virgin Hotel, which was like a six-minute walk from the paddock entrance. And the activation there was unbelievable like just everything that you could it essentially was its own mini paddock existed inside the casino and lobby of the hotel so you wow. walk in there and you're like huh that's pretty sick that's pretty cool so check in change whatever walk to the paddock and the the thing that i will say that i noticed immediately was how friendly every single person that worked the event was Everyone 100%. was like, welcome to Las Vegas. Yeah. Hope you have a great weekend. Yeah. And Thanks. how welcome much did Las you Vegas. hate that? Just being you. <laughs> no, because they weren't directing at me. They were directing at, at the droves of people that were going in. And it was like, well, that's new. Like, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Like I said, there was tons of people, first yep. of all. They, and they were like, they were spaced out at intervals that were unnecessarily close. Like, you were never yes. out of vision of one. And yes. everyone you went to was so helpful. They knew their they were very knowledgeable. They, yeah. they knew they knew passes based on lanyard colors around your neck. Like I, I had it tucked into my jacket, and I was walking in with one of the shareholders of McLaren Racing, and they knew based on the color of his that we, not based on mine, but we could go through this staff entrance. And so it was just like, oh, excuse me, sir, like you can go this way, blah blah blah. It was, they just, it, it was a really nice experience, right? So you walk through the security. Um, and you get into what I imagine was kind of the main fan plaza area, which was outside the, the, the front straight, outside of turn one, essentially. And again, like the, it was dark. So everything at night looks cool, like lighting and, and everything. But the, the music was going, the lights were there. Again, more staff. Food stations were set up. With, it is free food. It's with your ticket, you get free food. You have to pay for drinks. But there was like 15 different, food stations set up catered by Wolfgang Puck and blah, 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 and all these different places. And you just walk up and you say, I want burrito tacos. And they give you three burrito tacos and you go sit down and you have them. The stage was there. Teams and drivers are getting introduced. And so Tony and I looked at each other and we're like, yeah, okay. This is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. Um, and you get into the paddock and kind of the same sort of thing. And then 
So at this point, everything's looking pretty legit. And then practice one begins. So then practice one begins. And here's the thing. This is where it's so interesting. And I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of, uh, I have a strong opinion on sons, like one thing in particular. Mm -hmm. I would look, I think an overwhelming majority of people went into this weekend with like a negative preconception of this race. Right. And that's, and that's everybody, man, that's fans, sponsors, series, people, drivers, the city of the Los Angeles, yeah. journalists, everybody had at least some degree of skepticism over this event. Fine. Fair. That is partly formula one's fault because they hyped it up as the greatest sporting event to ever be in the state of Nevada, which is a bold statement. And they hyped it, it and priced it at that, which was clearly a huge mistake. And I imagine it's going to be very different next year. Um, but because of those factors, there was an unfair amount of scrutiny placed on the event when something went wrong. And it was something that happens very regularly when you're doing temporary street course racing. Okay. Even if it's not a temporary track, if it's a first year event, there's going to be glitches in the program. This one was a very big and public one. It, there was a safety element. And so it seems a lot more dramatic. We've seen this before. Formula One has seen this before. Not that long ago. The manhole cover came up, destroyed two cars. Nobody was hurt, thankfully. Um, you know, we can get into like Carlos's penalty for that, which is bull****, but that's... You yeah, know, that, that's, was, that was the most surprising part for me. That has nothing to do with <laughs> Formula with, One. With, that's uh, FIA. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, so... When this happens, it was everyone was so quick to jump on it and just be like, "Told you so." This race is a joke. Big, it's it's and you know Verstappen didn't help with his comments, being like, "It's ninety nine percent show, one percent race," and it's like, "Oh yeah, they put all this effort into making it look cool, but the track's falling apart." Blah blah blah. That it is, it's true. It did. It had an issue. A lot of racetracks have issues. They fixed it. Once again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp on the schedule thing every time we bring up a point because the schedule made everything worse. So they have a problem in practice one. They've got a red flag it for safety. Completely fair. Precedent has been set for that. No problem. We'll get it fixed. They then can't start practice two until two and a half hours after it was supposed to start, which brings us to 2.30 in the morning, okay? The, of these, all these amazing staff working the race that we spoke about, a good chunk of them running safety and security were part of a union whose hours clocked out an hour and a half after the la or an hour after the last practice was due to finish, right? There was no way to work around having people that were contracted to be there for a certain amount of time. And then within, I mean, you have to make that decision an hour before their time was up to somehow negotiate whatever had to be done for them to stay. And even at that point, I think there was still question marks over whether or not the track was actually going to be ready to go at two o'clock because it wasn't. It ended up being 2.30. So they had to remove all the fans. I don't love it. I do understand being up against it and not knowing exactly when the track was going to go green, if it was going to go green. So how do you negotiate keeping people? Fan safety is obviously first and foremost, and you can't keep fans safe with the understaffed facility. Worst case scenario for them to be in, terrible. That said, their response to it was horrific. There was zero communication to fans during this process. Once they were told they had to leave, there was very little explanation why. And the statement that eventually came out from Formula One was a joke. 
And that is to me, the track breaking up, that's not the black eye on the event. The response to having to remove fans for FP2, to me, I don't know what you feel about Alex. To me, that was the black eye. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And no, no doubt about it. So for those that didn't necessarily see the response, it was your cookie cutter, blah, blah, blah. And then a, just a slap in the face at the end where people who purchased these tickets got a $200 voucher to the F1 store to buy a hoodie, essentially. Yeah, that's, that's all you can afford with 200 bucks. Exactly. So um, that's, a, that's a real shame for those people, those people that they ultimately probably burned. And in my mind, the people that cared the most about the sport. And the reason I say that is because all of your celebrities, all of your uber wealthy people, all of the big ballers were not showing up for P1 at 10 o'clock on Thursday night. They were in, they were arriving to Vegas. They were enjoying their dinner. They were going to a show. They were playing cards, whatever. They were not going to practice well. The people that were there were probably your, your people who couldn't afford necessarily a race day ticket but love the sport so much they wanted to see it and they wanted to check it out and get a chance to see their favorite cars and their favorite drivers. And unfortunately, which is everyone's kind of global issue with this event and, and Max's point is it, it doesn't cater to the people who really care about the sport, right? You know, it's people that are going to party, people that are going to see a DJ, people that are going that actually probably have no idea what's going on in the race, have no idea what's going on on track. They're just there to be seen, to see people and have a good time, which there's nothing wrong with that, but there has to be, there has to be some sort of balance that exists. And I really am afraid that the people that love the sport didn't get treated as well as they should have. You know, it's one thing to be like, so sorry, this happened completely out of your, our control. Here's your tick. Here's your, the value of your ticket towards a Friday ticket. Like maybe still try and get money out of them, but like, or, or here's your value towards a discounted Friday ticket or, or try and do something, not give us the voucher to the store that, that's our store anyways. Like it just, it yeah, felt yeah. like a slap in the face. So for sure, for sure. Cause you're right. The, the, the diest hard, the die hardest, whatever that right term is, fans were the ones that were sitting in the stands until 1.30 AM, just yes. wanting to see cars go around yeah. to, to your point. I know a lot of people that were coming for the weekend. So, so, so it's important to remember that they started, they only started selling single day tickets like a month or two ago. And so you could, you could come for just that practice day. Um, and they were, they were relatively reasonably priced considering what everything else had cost. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there were families that were like, well, we can only afford this one day. They still had to travel to Vegas. They still had to get a hotel. So to do all those things for their one day and they got eight minutes of on-track action and basically nothing back from not even an apology. Right. And I guess, you probably legally can't say sorry in the press release or else then you're opening yourself up to litigations or whatever, but it just well, read really. That's still well. happening anyways, because there's a class well, yeah. action lawsuit of 3,500 people going against formula one. So, which is ridiculous. But if you actually like look into the lawsuit, it's very dumb. Anyway. Um, well, it's America. So. so, Oh, there was another. Oh yeah. So, well, I mean, I hate to say it, but it is what it is. Like the attendance on Friday was terrible. Well, let's let's just let's just point this out to the few people that listen to this, and maybe it'll spread. But on the pre-race, dude, whatever graphic they came up with that said there was three hundred fifteen thousand people over the weekend is a complete lie. 
That's all the people that were in the city of Las Vegas. Correct. Yeah. That okay, is so, it didn't look like it from the that TV. That is cameras. so disgracefully false. Right. That it's it's offensive. That's the lawsuit that I want to file is the false advertising on that graphic. That's a lawsuit because like, the, that was so insane. Like anybody that's ever seen people and can count knows that that was a complete bull number. But well, whatever. And, and, and the other thing is, so forget the people that didn't exist in the stands. I had to spend a, a fair chunk of time at various points throughout the weekend doing kind of Q&As and meet and greets up in Paddock Club, which was sensational. A the best hospitality at a sporting event I have ever seen in my life, bar none. So we'll just put that out there. But very empty. Like not even close. I wouldn't even say I would say it's pushing it to say it was at half capacity. Yeah. So like not even the people that could afford it were there, type of thing. So was that like, was that all weekend? Did that get better by Saturday night? Or I, I would say Saturday night was when it was like, yeah, it's probably fifty percent. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and honestly, um, that's all the grandstands looked, to be honest. It right. was hard to see because, like, they're all actually under, like, they're all in darkness, which was maybe intentional. intentional. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, yeah. But I, 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 I have to say that I was in Miami for the first year. And obviously, we, we just got back from Vegas. Whatever either lessons they learned or Veg or Formula One doing this themselves, self-promoting, man, you couldn't tell it was a first event. Like it was, For sure. it was fantastic. And like, sure. I, I'm blown away with how well it was executed and how good everything ran and looked and just, it was just impressive. Now caveat, is it made, is it made to look that much better by the fact that again, we're making up numbers and I'm not trying to on it in this in this respect this is just this is just reality is it made better and easier to get through because you're not worried about how the race is going to run formula one has run thousands of races mm -hmm. they know how that's going to go they know what they need in place to go run a right. race right? no i was saying logistically what, right. right what you don't know is logistic the fan experience people in and out all that stuff they would ha they had half as many people there as they were as they were expecting so that's going to put a lot less stress on the system in yep. a lot of ways a great thing for a first year Right. And if there were any weaknesses discovered with the capacity that was there, they know what to improve for next year. Because Very possible. Yeah. I truly believe it is going to grow substantially for next year based on what happened after Fridays. Or, I mean, I still am using like the normal race. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For after sure. After the practice day stuff. Because from then on, the event was incredible. So here's the thing the lead up to it, the visuals and everything were enough to get people to be like, yep, that's cool. That's legit. No bad press, post, manhole cover, whatever. I'm going to go. And then the race happened. And that was a banger. <laughs> like, I mean, so can I get a little credit on calling that? No. No. So what I, I, I before, <laughs> the race even, before the race even kicked off, the, we were on the grid during the pre-race. Dude. You've been to many of these things. You know what the grid is like. It's hectic. It's chaotic. Mm. There's celebrities, all that stuff, whatever. This was the most bananas grid F1 has ever seen. And I had Will Buxton there saying the same thing. Who's done over? He's worked over 300 Grand Prix. And he was like, that was madness. You, first of all, you couldn't move. They gave away way too many grid passes, which I was very surprised at. There was so many people, dude. And then, but you looked around, it's like you could not 
not hit an A-list celebrity if you just went like this. They were everywhere, man. It was incredible, the lineup. Now, again, a lot of people hate that part of Formula One and think it's stupid. Whatever your opinion is, the 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 star factor there was shocking. It was very well. Impressive. Remember when remember when Miami happened and we were like, man, there's a picture with LeBron, Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, and David Beckham. We were like, that's that's the pinnacle. Doesn't get any right. better than that. Yeah. No, it it does. That would be did. like that would be like page three in the middle. Right. You know, for like it was just it was outrageous, man. Is there anybody uh, you just like totally fanboyed over? not that I got close enough to like interact with. Um, I didn't interact with him, but being three feet away from the presence of Brad Pitt was, I mean, it's impressive. Yeah. He's a, he's a hell of a guy. I get it. He smells terrific. Like he just, he walks by and like, Mm. he's like, that's what success. But just, just like the, he just, yeah. His whole aura. It's a real man right there. Really impressive. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man. Like just, they were just everywhere. It was incredible. I didn't get to see in person Daniel Craig, who I would have loved to have seen in person, mm-hmm. Killian Murphy, Ryan Reynolds. I know they were there, but I didn't get to see them. Uh, but no, it, either way, ridiculous. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And then, as you said, the race happened. And it was, objectively, the best Grand Prix of the year. Oh, no. I mean, without a doubt. Like, I... like uh, The last the, two years. What was the... What's it called in Netherlands? Uh, Zandvoort. Zandvoort. Zandvoort was good because it rained, dried, rained, dried like five different times during the race. So that was yes. like, that was an interesting race. Yes. But this, without any weather, was the best Grand Prix in at least two years. Yeah, probably, yeah since 2021 for sure. I don't since know which probably one. Abu, probably since probably Abu Dhabi, the F1 finale with Lewis and, and Max. E- and even that wasn't actually a very good race. It was just a cool story at the end. The last two laps right. were cool. Right, right. No, this was started. So here, here was my plan. It was late. I was tired. 
I, I didn't want to be there because not because I wasn't impressed anymore, but like I had been there for two days. I had seen it. I got, got the picture. Cool. It's, it's awesome. I'll go back next year if I had the opportunity, no doubt. But it was like Max is starting second. We knew that the Ferrari was going to be on pole. Carlos wasn't up there to back up Charles. So as soon as DRS opens on lap three, Max is going to be gone. Race over wins by 19 seconds. And that, well, almost came true because at turn one, Max decided that he was just going to, you know, take the lead and however you feel about it, whatever he was leading. And I thought, well, even with this five second penalty, he's going to win by 18 seconds race over. He even thought that because when they told him he had a five second penalty that he was like, cool, send them my regards. I'll open 10 seconds before the first stop and still come out five seconds in the lead. And that didn't happen. Um, The Ferrari had a lot of pace. Um, Max was put under a lot of pressure in various situations. Dude, Leclerc passed him on track. Four position before he came into pit. He did. But then what proceeded to unfold, it just goes to show you like how much he's got everything under control. Like he, he forced the issue at the start. He didn't need to, but it's just, that's his mentality. And I was talking to someone um, at, at McLaren at the time when this happened. And I was like, I am so impressed by him and the lack of of what whether it's the lack of cares that he gives or his competitiveness either one or or a combination of both he's won the championship by such a large margin yet every single corner he is still trying to beat everyone around him. everyone yeah and he's what he's individually won the constructors championship that's how dominant he's been and he still will not give a single corner to a single person. Period. He pulled off he pulled off the most ridiculous pass on George Russell that he did not have to do. It was it was, it was a corner you just don't even not a single pass had been attempted there the entire weekend. And he was just like going for it, chucked it up. Could have thrown his race away. George drove into him. Almost did. Almost did. Yeah. Pretty serious contact. But I guess Broke on the other runway. side of that, it doesn't really matter. Like he could throw the race away and still he's he still wants to win, man. <laughs> it does matter to him. Pissed. So mad. Yeah. Um, and so, so that was phenomenal, but, but the fact that he came through with the car that was as damaged as it was, so I don't know if you saw the picture, but the front wing was missing an entire end plate and yeah, in IndyCar that that's not a, it's a big deal, not a, not a huge deal, but it, it would have an impact on a formula one car. The front wing end plate is one of the most critical aero devices on that car. You we would rather seen, you would though, rather lose a flap on the front wing than you would the front end plate. We we have I, my only caveat to that is like we've seen that a couple times this year where like things that happen to the front to the end fence and like it's actually the car's fine and like we make the joke about all the engineers back at the shop who spent but, hours and hours and hours in the wind tunnel and CFD and they, they see that no, piece go off man, and the car doesn't slow like, down. Like, is the car fine because the he Max it's won not by be a second good. and a half. Right. I feel like had the car been working in its potential, he would have won by a significant well, no. margin because on the hard tire, he was much better. And that's the thing, right? The Ferrari was actually, I think, had his measure was at least as equal, if not, if not better on the medium. And right. then he switched to the hards, but he had this, the five second penalty in the stop. So he falls back mid pack. You cannot argue that the safety car didn't help him. No, but the it, safety car it didn't, that, hurt, it didn't hurt Charles. 
it hurt Charles in as much as it took the gap between him and Max from like 12 seconds down to four. Now he had to pass three cars as well, but like, that's yeah. not nothing, okay. right? He would yeah. have had to have closed yeah. that gap down yeah. with a damaged car. So the, the, the penalty could have really changed the complexity of the race in Charles favor. Then at one point, because the hards were better on the Red Bull, it looks like Checo had the race one. And then Max just maxed it and just did his thing and, and came away on top. Anyway, 80-something passes on track, which, hey, on a street circuit in any series is pretty good. For Formula One, that's phenomenal. Um, it's kind of, It kind of reminded me of, in the sense, our, our race in Detroit this year, in that when you looked at the layout on paper, and we talked about this on the show before, before we went here, on paper, it looks boring. It looks like, a, you know. Well, it, was, it is. It was, having, fine. Having, yeah, you did drive around. Yeah, yeah. Right. But same, same with, same with Detroit, right? But then once you got in the race and some rubber got down, you got into a bit of a rhythm and the passing was there. The race was actually fun for the drivers, both in Detroit and here. And it was really fun to watch on TV, both in Detroit and here. So just because the layout's simple and maybe not think to what Max was talking about in that press conference, you know, speech he gave. When you strap into a Formula One car at Spa, your heart rate's out, you're excited, you're ready to go. I get you're not going to get that feeling driving around Las Vegas, right? But the race was awesome. And everyone talked about it. It felt like a go-kart race from like back in the day, just all the passing back and forth and everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, we all agree the race was great. Um, kudos to Leclerc. He did an incredible job. Great effort on his part. Checo locked up second in the championship. Good job on him. Um Piastri, I felt bad for him because he had a he had a great Dude, result on the he cards. Was, he he was, was killing it on the on the hard. It was unbelievable. The like he was passing a car every lap. It felt like yeah, it's badass. Yeah, he had a good race. Um, uh, Esteban had a really good drive as well. Anyway, there was some there was some great things happening. The uh, the thing that Lance. I didn't like, Lance had a great great super quiet but just really good. Great start because he started right at the back. Great start, and yeah, he was—he did a great job. Um, thanks for just like picking on my Hinch's heroes for me. I needed that little soundboard. Uh, the thing that I didn't love though was the post-race driving the podium guys all the way to the Bellagio to do the interviews, just to drive them back to the front straight for the podium. That it looked so little... funny in that car, though. That was like the best part, man. Just leaving the sound on and like letting, like listening to drivers chat and debrief with each other about the race. Like, I think people love that stuff. Well, that's usually what you get in the like the cool yeah. down room or whatever it's right. called, right? Right. Yeah. So if you had to have like an in their face version of that, but like taking them halfway around the racetrack just to do interviews, watch the water show, and then come all the way back to the podium. I don't know. That that felt a bit over the top and a bit unnecessary. I think they just needed the time to set the podium up because the podium was not a permanent structure like built into the to the pit building like it is at a lot of tracks. It was a very cool mobile setup. But uh, but yeah, F1 in a nutshell. You, so yeah, you drove it. You did hot laps. You you liked the, you didn't like the track that much. Thought it was kind of boring to drive. Mm, it was. Yeah, Fine. there was a yeah, there wasn't a lot going on. Anytime you can get into a track that you've never seen an onboard of or a sim of and by the second lap feel pretty comfortable with what you're doing it's there's not a whole lot going on to it um but i mean the the guys in the f1 car aren't doing this but looking around going down the back straight at the strip 
at 196 miles an hour is pretty cool. How distracting was the the circle thing? The sphere. The sphere. Didn't notice it. Yeah. Really? It's like yeah, it's in the middle of a corner complex. Like didn't see it. Um, Who like speaking of celebrities, you were giving hot rides to famous people all day. Who'd you yeah, hang out with? I was. Um, uh, I mean the 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 big hitters: Nina Dobrev, Sean White. Um, the the biggest hitter, who's not really a um, well, he is a celebrity, but you wouldn't recognize him. Well, I, we wouldn't recognize him. So this this older gentleman gets in the car, and um, he has an accent. And uh, I'm like, hey man, I'm Alex. He's like, oh, I'm Johnny or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool, nice to meet you. You're ready to go? And he's like, yeah. Do you, do you watch soccer? And I was like, no. He's like, oh. <laughs> Do you like soccer? No. Why are you asking me? Um, have you heard of FIFA? Oh yeah, for sure. He was like, "Oh, I'm I'm the president of FIFA." And I was like, "Oh, that's wow. That that's you, very cool. You do a lot of things." Um, Here's the thing: the fact that he just sat down. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Right? You on questions <laughs> until he could reveal who he was makes me really not like that guy. He might be good at soccer stuff. Very like, cool though. Like you he? are now like, but that's, that's equivalent to meeting like a, like a president slash mobster slash businessman all in one. <laughs> a yeah, lot fair. closer to the mobster front. Right. Yeah. <laughs> everything I mean, I've heard about it's, them. It's all of it. Right. Like, but I mean, that was in terms of the most powerful person, like that was definitely the guy. Um, yeah, he's, he's got some pull. For sure. So that was pretty cool. Um, it was funny when when Nina sat down, she like went to go introduce herself. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, I know. Nice to meet you. Um, you should have just then, told her you're you should have just told her you're a friend of mine. She didn't know who you are. Wasn't definitely wasn't it's gonna do that. It's worrying because that might actually be true. Um, and then the rest was it was cool because it, it wasn't celebrities per se, but um, so obviously. I drive from McLaren. Um, yeah, wild, right? So there's a lot of crossover in sponsors between IndyCar and the F1 team, especially. Did on, they know? Especially on the North American races. So to get to give rides to people who are actually also heavily involved in the IndyCar program. That's cool. Um, was awesome. So got to do rides with people from, um, you know, Medallia, uh, Arrow. Et cetera, et cetera. So um, that was all good. A lot of fun. NTT. There you go. So that yeah. was Vegas in God. a nutshell. I will tell you, pretty wild to only be seven, well, 22 miles an hour off, end of straight, in a road car on road tires with a seatbelt <laughs> as you are like compared to a race car. Um, that was, I think a lot of people maybe enjoyed that, maybe didn't, but I, I got nervous a couple times, but, uh, it all went how, off without a hitch. How many friggin' helmets is TK getting made this month? Dude, I mean, he, he got a special one made ridiculous. for the velocity, which he got a special, which fair enough. He's yeah, driving his that, one, that one surprised me. And I kind of made fun of him for that. But like when he explained it, it was like, okay, I get it. You're going to, you're going to frame these images. It's yeah, going to yeah. be, you don't want to just. So fine, no problem. But, but then when he good. showed up with a 
specially painted open face lid for hot laps in just Vegas. Like, here's the thing. He's he works for the company now. He's a big deal. He's probably going to have to do things like this over the next however many years. And an open face helmet is what they want you to wear so that people can see your face. Blah, blah, blah. Fine, fine, fine. But he got one specifically with Vegas accents on it. I mean, TK, come on, man. Must be paying well in Must the uh, sporting director nice. role. Yeah, I gotta like, get me a sporting director role. Like I'm, uh, I'm fortunate, but like I had to like pull a couple strings to get a helmet for Daytona. Yeah, TK's <laughs> out there just slinging helmets for hot laps, man. <laughs> oh man, oh that's funny. Yeah. That is funny. Uh, okay. Well, well when this wait. when this comes out, it'll be Thanksgiving. Do we want to end on a, on a Thanksgiving thing? Sure. Um, for the first time in my life as an adult, I am hosting Thanksgiving, um, which is what are you cooking? Pretty wild. Uh, you know, we're gonna do steak, steak and eggs, actually. Cool. How many yeah. people are coming? Um, well, the Hinchcliffs. Oh, uh, so yeah. that makes it 10. Um, Tim, first of all, you have a family that you have to be at the I know, for. and they think that they're coming to ours. Oh, they are not. I didn't say that. <laughs> oh. No, we're going to no, we're going to we're going to swing by later and drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Kelly's family's coming down from Toronto and yeah, I'm having a Thanksgiving at my house. So that's that's cool. That's exciting and um, I'm sure I'll be pretty busy that day. I'm sure you will. Um, let me know what help you need. And then we're going to Uber over to Tim's house and we're going to play bocce. Play drunken bocce. Let's call it what it is. All right. Tim's house I've is never, very close. I've never played it sober. So yeah, cause like, I don't think, I don't think you're allowed to. Cause like Thanksgiving quote unquote dinner like is early right like you guys eat, normally eat at like three or four isn't that normal for thanksgiving people no we usually do on the later side yeah it's, oh, it's okay. dinner time oh okay oh sorry i've been to a couple like big family thanksgivings that were like they start rolling the out at like three o'clock well you get like some charcuteries out at like four o'clock but... what like what like crazy weird cocktail are we going to try to make thanksgiving themed well, we need to, I, we need I to go through your... I have I have a dinner this evening and then I'm heading to the liquor store. So if you want me to get any, I have a couple in mind, but uh, well, all right, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Feels, the liquor store's it on. It feels like close. we should. Yeah, we should probably do like a test run of those tomorrow. Uh, I am shuttling human beings from Canada on Wednesday. So I'm certainly right, James. Not... You're in. Yeah, I'm taking I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping tomorrow. tomorrow. Guys, this, oh yeah, sorry. I do just want to just want to I want to hate on the schedule just one more time. I would have to go in to work at 5 p.m. The earliest we got out of there was 2:30. The latest we got out of there was 5 a.m. Then you got to go home and try and sleep. So first of all, you miss everything. You miss dinner. You miss anything fun to do in Vegas. You can't enjoy your time there. Then you try to go to bed. I'm not good at sleeping in, so I'd get like four, maybe five hours of sleep. Then wake up. Then have to sit around all day. Cause it's not like I can go out and drink and have a good time in Vegas. Cause I got to get ready to go to work at night and try and stay awake. Here's the thing. I don't do a lot of these things. I don't travel the way the formula one crew travels. So I was like, I'm just going to, you know, shut up because these guys do this all the time. 
everyone in the paddock is like, this is the worst schedule we've ever done. I'm like, okay, it's not just me. Like Singapore is not this bad or any of the like Qatar night rate. None of them are as bad as this. And they're all just sideways over it. Nobody look six o'clock AM is what it, the race played in England, right? Big fan base in England. Nobody was getting up to watch that. They were going to watch it on DVR later. 7 a.m. in Europe. Some people would have got up to watch that, but they're not used to doing that like we are over here. So they probably would have watched it on DVR. The East Coast of the United States was all asleep. And the West Coast of the United States was like maybe going to stay up for the start. But so they appeased Asia and Australia. Basically, like the like two, like, well, Asia's a big market, but like, yes, they, they, they kind of slagged off two of their biggest markets. And, and here's the thing it's dark in Vegas at six o'clock at this time of year. Could we not have done like a seven start been done by nine? Still give people a chance to maybe go grab a dinner afterwards or do something. What like people in Europe are going to watch it on DVR. Anyway, you'd keep the East coast in play. Why, why not? Why not? That's my well, one change for next year. Seven PM they've already start. said they're doing it. So did they really? Yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. Mm. That's wonderful news. Yeah. That's great news. All right. That's yeah. all I needed to say. And that's all I needed to hear. You just made my day, but I did stay up for 36 hours straight trying to get home. Yeah, but my, well, mm, that was, mm, mm, I mean, self-inflicted, but okay. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it wasn't my fault, but right. I'm just saying if, if the race had ended at nine, I would have gone to bed before my six o'clock flight. But when it ends, when I left the track at two 30, didn't really make sense to go to bed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like packed oh, yeah. for an hour and then went to the airport. Yeah. My schedule was pretty bad. I hate you so much. I, uh, I had to be there around 7.30, no left cares. around midnight. No one cares. It's pretty awesome. Got to catch up with some old friends, had nice lunches, went to the gym. What nice Oh, man. I went to the gym the first day because that's all I had to. Oh, I played paddle. You ever played paddle before? Is that not just pickleball? No, no. I mean, I see why you why you think that. I kind of had a similar thought, but it's very different. Okay. Uh, well, P1 let's save that paddle. for next week because okay. all right, we're out of time and I have to go to dinner. Oh, yeah. We, all right. Have a great dinner. This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at Ask Off Track on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Fim, though we have no idea why you would, He's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. Off track is produced by Tim Durham, and by that we mean Finn. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.